0: Chris Duane here. Welcome to I Wish I Knew, a disrupted TV podcast where insightful and reflective educators talk about a situation where they found themselves saying, boy, I wish I knew. Today we're talking with Monica Burns. As you know, this is a show where educators share a time when they jumped into something and wish there was one thing they could have known that would have helped out. Monica, what story do you want to share with us today?
1: So, I wanted to share a story of the what I call magical delivery of iPads that came to my classroom and how I wish I knew uh, from the get go what type of resources I really could value as opposed to just searching for an app for this and an app for that.
0: I was going to say, I think that's probably a really common, I don't want to say problem, but more like a dilemma. You know, we get these tools and we think, oh, great. You know, how are we going to use these? You know, what's, where's the magic app? And what did you come across?
1: So what I found after spending time kind of searching through app stores or thinking about what was going to help a child or right, do something that was more like a substitution than anything else mm-hmm. was that open-ended creation tools could be really powerful in the classroom. And that's something that I discovered working with my own students as a classroom teacher and something that I, now support lots of other teachers and spend time in their classrooms, um, working with them around this idea of empowering students as content creators so that they can make things, make different types of products with digital tools that show off their learning, give them a space to apply what they've learned, and really celebrate that process.
0: I have to say that um, one of the things it seems to me in my own small little sphere is many teachers are really afraid to go into that content creation area. How is it that you convince them? Because I, I'm I'm an advocate. I'm you know, I, I think that's where they should be, it's where they have the most fun, it's where they get the biggest learning. Um, but how do you help educators, you know, make that jump? Because like I said, I know The teachers that I work with are really hesitant to let go of the reins. So how do you get them to jump?
1: So one thing that I like to share when talking about content creation in the classroom is how it really supports students as content consumers. They're reading, they're viewing, they're listening to things all the time in online spaces. But when we give them a chance to create something, to build that website, to make that video, to design that graphic, it really helps them understand the process someone else goes to as a creator of content that's posted online. And I really think it helps them become smarter evaluators of content too and so in my book a uh, task before apps from ascd which came out last year i talk a lot about this idea of content creation but then also the audience component too so mm-hmm. what we can do to support students to get their work uh, seen by the world
0: mm-hmm. and is this a persuasive tool is this like how do you nudge people off the edge monica
1: so when i host workshops whether it's at a school or at a regional event or a national conference i really love to give everyone time to be hands-on so that they can see um, the ease of different Creation tools, how they can make something that connects to a topic they're interested and excited about, and even reflect on their level of engagement. So my latest book is on ways to use um, Adobe Spark to inject creativity in the classroom. And those are really the spotlight tools that I share when thinking about what it looks like to be in an open-ended creation environment, because mm-hmm. there is a, you know, a choose-your-own-adventure, move through however you want to. There's no levels to win or badges to earn or or points or anything like that. And so when I'm working with educators, I try to give lots of time to explore so that we can then brainstorm things that are really applicable to their specific environment so that we can make those connections to the learning goals that they have and really help place that task before
0: the app. Mm -hmm. I would think that's really key because so many of... Uh, The educators, and I would say I was fell victim to this as well, you know, you get a new iPad and you think, wow, how can I use this really cool tool, instead of tailoring it, the task first, and then going into the the app that's appropriate. Do you find that that's a really big learning curve for teachers, or is it something they usually, I was going to say, surf pretty well?
1: Well, I think that you know we all are, um, you know, it's all—it's easy for all of us to get our eyes, you know, caught up by something bright and shiny. Whether we're at a conference, walking through the expo hall, and we have that—that's cool or that's flashy or what does that do? And then we try and wiggle it into something that we're already doing just for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. Um, although there's so many wonderful things out there that can then give us an idea that we might not have before, I really think it's important to anchor it in the purpose, right? Maybe it's specific to the learning goal. Maybe it's a skill that we're committed to helping students develop, um, like compromising with their peers or developing more empathy for people outside of their community. So there's many resources that can help make that happen, but I think it's really important and I always call the task before apps my gut check, right? The why are we doing this? How does this connect to our goals that we've set for students or that students have identified for themselves?
0: Right. You know, in your book, I read that you use an acronym called ACEs. Can you tell us about that?
1: Absolutely. So, the ACES framework is one that I first shared at South by Southwest EDU uh, several years ago when talking specifically about scannable technology. So, QR codes and augmented reality. And it's one that I've brought into uh, the work with Task Before Apps, and that I bring into a lot of the work I do when, you know, sitting side by side with schools, helping them make decisions with different technology integration. And so, the ACES framework is really about the use cases for digital tools that can be the most perfect. So that A is for access. Right? How are we using these tools to give kids increased access to? opportunities to content they couldn't easily or at all access in the past. The C is for curate, the way that we can hand pick uh, different types of just right resources for students based on their needs, on their interests. The E is for engage, which is more than just that hook at the beginning of a lesson to grab someone's attention, but to help students go into the flow of learning so they don't know what time it is, right? They're in the zone when we think about engagement that way. And then Mm -hmm. the S is the share. So, when students are creating something, how can we make sure that they have an audience and how can we leverage digital tools to make sure that they are connected with that audience?
0: Is this a framework that makes it easier for teachers to plan with, do you think?
1: I really um, believe that it's a wonderful way to spark discussion and reflection, um, similar to how the SAMR framework is used in conversations for planning. Right, I don't see these as being evaluation tools right, in the sense of this is where you are at this level or this is the only thing that you've done, um, but it's more for us to be reflective and say, what else can we do here? Am I really leveraging this in all the ways possible?
0: Can I ask you if you would just speak to the SAMR model and then um, how that interacts with your ACES platform and um, yeah. and g- give people a background for that just in case they're not familiar with it.
1: So the SAMR uh, model is very popular and you'll see it in lots of conversations around education technology integration by Ruben Panettaterra who I had a chance to um, to meet with uh, just earlier this year at a wonderful conference in Vermont. Wow. That framework is really powerful. It gives everyone an opportunity to use some common vocabulary, which is what I think makes frameworks and different models important because it brings people to the same page, even if there might be a couple different ways to talk about one thing. Mm -hmm. It helps bridge that conversation from are we just substituting, just doing something we always used to do and now it happens to be on an iPad. Nothing's really changed here. Or are we redefining experiences so that they are completely different. We couldn't have even imagined them before, um, more than just being right, impossible. right? It lays this extra layer that just wasn't even on our radar before a digital tool came into play.
0: Can you ex- give an example of that?
1: Sure. When I talk to teachers and Often in my keynote presentation, I usually give the example of that magical delivery of iPads I mentioned before, right? When it arrived, if students were just typing up their persuasive essays and emailing it to me, well, it wasn't very different than if they were writing them out and handing them to me. It was still going to be on a folder, right? One's a folder on my desk, one's a folder on my desktop. But if we are able to take that type of experience, have a audience on the other side of the world we couldn't have connected with before. Switch those up from a traditional format to something that has more of a public service announcement theme. So we're really trying to impact change another part of the world, presenting that information with a variety of multimedia. So the students who might struggle to write those paragraphs in a five paragraph essay can still interact with the content when creating a script for a podcast. So the ability to do things that just weren't possible before while still really honoring some of those core traditional things that always worked and are great (laughs) is really Mm -hmm. where I think about the sweet spot.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, you know, it's um, interesting because um, as an in-class support teacher myself, I know that trying to bring technology into the classroom can, in some cases, be really easy because some teachers really appreciate it and are open to it and others see it as just one more layer of, you know, I have too much to do and I think that your book that uh, you're uh, tasks before apps. Book really presents a really nice format for anyone who is really struggling to figure out how to intertwine the two and keep the pedagogy in place as the primary um, target, the primary focus, and not just how do I use this cool tool.
1: And that's really what my goal is to make sure that everyone has the resources that they need in order to kind of run with it when it comes to open-ended creation in the classroom and i think Task before apps is really you know, the the way that i like to communicate that and having that quick phrase that gut check if you will mm-hmm. um, is one that i love sharing with educators
0: i can only imagine and i'm sure that's very well received
1: It's been really fun to be able to present this as a keynote, right, as a full-day workshop. I did a four-day institute um, not far from where I live, actually, uh, last summer. And so being able to bounce around and share this message in different parts of the country and even a few spots internationally has been a lot of fun.
0: So let me ask you a question. The fact that you now realized, or when you were working, you realized that the task had to come first. How has that changed the way you approach new situations?
1: It really is one where I find myself using that approach to reframe conversations. So if I know that um, someone is really excited about a particular tool or their school district just got a subscription and now they have access to this thing that they didn't have before, you know, that's great uh, and let's talk about how to use it, but let's keep bringing it back to what's on your curriculum map, what's on your to-do list, what do you notice when you are reviewing formative assessment data, and how can the features of that particular Tool? How can this new resource you know have access to come back to that piece? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely have my favorites. As I mentioned, I have a new book with lesson plans and activities and graphic organizers for Adobe Spark, right? But one of the reasons I love that is because you can take a particular open ended tool like the Spark tools and then make sure that it connects to your learning goal, elevate that experience, energize that experience, mm-hmm. and still be really true to what your task is.
0: Right. and I think that's what's really important for us today as educators. We have to um, keep, the, keep the task, as you said, keep the pedagogy in the forefront, but we really have to invigorate our experiences and our activities because all the things that are happening outside the classroom, we need to make happen in the classroom to make it as meaningful and relevant to our learners as possible. Um, I do have to ask you, so what are the three takeaways you would like our listeners to have today?
1: I think the first one, right, really focuses on having your own reflective moment to say, is this uh, tool that I'm using, is it focused on learning first? And so that would be my first one. The second one is to take a moment and think about the creation opportunities you provide students, right? Do they have an opportunity to make something shareable that connects to those learning goals and gives them a space to apply their learning? And the third piece is really about sharing uh, what's going on in your own classroom. So if you are finding success using an open-ended creation tool, if your students have done something where they've been able to access materials in a way that you couldn't do two or three or 17 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, share it out uh, using social media or knock on the person down the hall and tell them about something fantastic that's happening in your classroom.
0: I, You know, I can't say enough about how important it is that I believe we share with each other because we can help each other get off that ledge of thinking it's just such a frightening thing that something might go wrong and uh, I think that that's really a powerful statement to say hey look what I did in yeah you know there were a couple of bumps in the road but I managed to work through that and and everything managed to come out okay you know there were no major catastrophes and I think that's an important message to make sure we get to our colleagues Um I want to thank you, uh, Monica, for joining us today. We've been talking with Monica Burns today, and I want to thank you for making sure you took time to uh, talk with us about that experience you have about making sure pedagogy comes first.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always so wonderful to connect with passionate educators um, in the field, and I appreciate us having a time to chat today.
0: Well, I appreciate it as well. Um, So please join us again when we talk about I wish I knew by Disrupted TV. Thanks for listening.